0: Clear Communities and this station present Palm Beach and Treasure Coast Perspective with Deb Nepp.
1: Good morning. Welcome to Palm Beach Treasure Coast Perspective. I'm your host, Deb Nepp. Thanks for spending your weekend with me. Lots of great things happening. I want to start things off with a congratulations. Got a reminder from our friends at John I. Leonard High School. They're HOSA students, qualify now for state competition, and HOSA stands for Health Occupation Students of America. It's a competition where the students who study for a career in the medical field up against the other schools in the Region 9 area in Palm Beach County. Say congratulations to the winners. Regional competition for John I. Leonard High School. First place, Michael Perez for medical spelling. First place, transcultural health care for Deepala Singh. First place, public service announcement for Celine Dalrymple. Marie Joseph uh, Worcester Lumas, fourth place with job seeking skills. Stephanie Fuentes, second place with dental terminology. Christian Diaz, second place with public health. Amy Sanchez, Emily Ariaga. The students, of course, are going to head now to Orlando in April for a state HOSA competition. So we wish them all the best of luck. And Of course, reminder for everybody: it is now, of course, 2017 tax season, and. The United Way is here to help with their VITA tax program, and it's taxes filed free. So if you need assistance, the Volunteer Income Tax Assistance Program provides free, confidential, secure preparation and e-filing of your tax returns, and it's for qualified taxpayers. To qualify, your income must have been under $64,000 within in 2016. You can go to 211 or call 211, and they'll tell you what all you need to bring, like your you know, your, your paycheck stub and your social security card and all that in- information. I think you need social security. Lots of different stuff. And there's lots of different um, centers throughout the county. Also, let's see, Fort Pierce Library has their line up for their Thursday evening book discussion going on. So coming up on March is Brother I'm Dying by Edwidge Danticat. And then April is Infidel by Ian Ali. Um, May 4th is The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Night by Mark Haddon. So lots of great things to discuss. Uh, reach out to Sheila at 772-462-2199 and they'll be happy to give you more information about that. Don't forget our friends over Jupiter Inlet Lighthouse and Museum. Coming up, Valentine Toast at the top of the lighthouse. It's going to be February 12th and the 14th from 5 to 9 p.m. Very limited time settings there. So definitely reach out to them. Make your reservation. It's a really fun thing to do. Uh, definitely want to check that out. Call them at 561-747-8380, extension 101. That's 561-747-8380, extension 101. Also coming up February 25th is Sea fest for Kids at the Lighthouse. Uh, children 18 and under are free. Adults are $10. Nice fundraiser there. All kinds of you know water, marine ex- exhibitions will be happening, great music and food. And then Wild and Scenic Film Festival, April 8th there. And that's going to be... Uh, big environmental film things like right at the lighthouse there's a lot of fun and of course they do lighthouse sunset tours throughout the week the moonrise tour next one coming up for that is February 10th uh, hike through history uh, next one for that is March 4th uh, they have February 7th lighthouse story time and crafts for the kids this one of my favorites is the twilight yoga at the light so that's going to be of course February 6th 13th 20th and 27th and then coming up on March 1st it is a lighthouse book club meeting again So lots of good things happening. And if you want outreach speakers to come, you can simply reach out to them. Their phone number is 561-747-8380. And, of course, you can always go and do a tour of the lighthouse, buy some of their awesome fudge that they make there. It's really fun in the gift shop. And you can do tours where you don't necessarily have to go up the stairs in the lighthouse if you don't want to do that. Plenty to see without that. So definitely a fun thing to check out. Remind our friends at the Smithsonian uh, Marine Station, their aquarium uh, science lecture series is going on. February 8th is Cures from the Deep, Marine Natural Products and Cancer with Dr. Esther Guzman of FAU's Harbor Branch Oceanographic Institute. So they're discovering different things that can help be beneficial in helping to prevent cancer, which I think is really exciting. And, of course, those uh, classes take place. Actually, those lecture series take place in the county aquarium. So the Marine Station is one side of the street, and across the street is the aquarium. So the docs come over and do the presentations there. Um, To get more information, reach out to them, 772-465-3271, and reserve your seat. And, of course, the aquarium's open now seven days a week. So head on up there, take the kids. a fun thing to check out. And for those of you continuing with your New Year's resolution or renewing your resolution as we're going, that's totally cool, uh, going to check out St. Lucie County's different preserves with different guided hikes. So it's a lot of fun. They happen throughout the week and on Saturdays and Sundays. Simply go to slchikes.org or call them at 772-462-2526. 772-462-2526 772-462-2526 slchikes.org and they're really fun it's, um, they're different lengths um, they're different um, some is like uh, the hardwoods or the pine scrub different things uh, some have more birding opportunities depending on what you're interested in and of course they'll tell you what kind appropriate footwear to wear water, sunscreen all that good stuff uh, most of them are free there's a few that you're, you have to pay for but when you call the number they can let you know and you can check them all out on the website there's a lot of fun Uh, Speaking of a lot of fun, concert's coming to Delray Beach at Old School Square on February 15th. It is Rocketman, the Elton John Tribute Show. Uh, To get information about that, simply go to rocketmanshow.com. com. it's all listed right there for you. Also happening at Old School Square, I've got lots of concerts in February. Last day today, check out Pump Boys and Dinettes, and then beginnings of Chicago Tributes February 7th. The Do Project is happening on February 8th. Define Gravity February 13th to 14th. Lots of good stuff. Go to oldschoolsquare.org to get more information. And of course, don't forget February 10th is the 2017 Hope Bash at PGA National Resort and Spa. It's from 6:30 to 11: 6:30 to 11 p.m. and it's going to be a benefiting Place of Hope. So they do a lot of great work um, helping the kids in the community uh, have a safe place to live. I like that. And, of course, lots of great things happening. If you need more information, simply reach out to me, and we'll give you more information all the good stuff. Also, don't forget, Garlic Fest, coming up February 10th through the 12th. Spoke to the ladies last week. Best stinking party in town, yes. It's going to be John Prince Park this year in Lake Worth. Lots of fun. Uh, to get information, go to SFL garlicfest.com. It's all listed on there. Like I said, this year they have a craft brewing uh, dinner pairing thing on Friday night with some great music. Lots of good stuff. Speaking of good stuff and learning things brings me to my guest for today. I have Connie Murphy. She's the director of the Cancer Genetics Program at Good Samaritan Medical Center. Good morning.
0: Good morning.
1: Oh, hey, thanks for coming in.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: So uh, Connie, tell me about genetic testing because from what I understand, cancer is just an uncontrolled growth of cells that creates a tumor, of course, is is a bad thing. So the
0: purpose of our program is to identify families who are at elevated risk because of these mutated genes that are being passed down from generation to generation. And so these genes are tumor suppressor genes and mismatch repair genes, Um, Their job is to prevent those uncontrolled growth of cells that is a cancer. So their job is to help cells that are abnormal die so that cancer cells cannot present. So if these genes aren't working correctly, that can increase our cancer risk.
1: So when the cell dies, is that called apoptosis? Yes, it is. Uh My new word for the week. (laughs) (laughs) So you work at the Genetic Counseling Center at Good Samaritan Hospital. What happens in a normal day for you as far as patients reaching out to you to find out more information?
0: Um, Well, patients can be referred from their care providers. They can self-refer as long as ultimately we have a prescription to provide them care. Um, They'll make contact with Angel Bosch, our program coordinator, and she will send them out a packet. And in that packet, it's eight pages of very tedious work for the patient, and a lot of patients do not want to uh, complete the information that's needed. But with that information, I then spend... Um, an hour or so uh, looking at their pedigree, drawing out their family tree, and trying to determine whether or not they meet criteria for genetic counseling and possibly genetic testing. And so then ANGEL will make contact with them. They'll schedule an appointment. I'll spend about an hour with them um, going over what testing means, what cancer risks they're potentially at heightened risk for, um, potential treatments, risk reduction strategies, lifestyle modifications. And then we get down to the nuts and bolts of testing and, and the impact it could have on their family. Um, largely, they're um, again, they would be covered by insurance if they meet criteria for testing. So it's become much more cost-effective to get the genetic testing. And then we regroup about four weeks after I see them. Um, we result, um, do the disclosure in person because there's always a lot of information. So as you and I discussed, you can be negative for uh, gene mutation but still be at elevated risk and require enhanced surveillance or other
1: risk-reducing strategies obviously a two-time breast cancer survivor, so listeners know, I've actually had the genetic testing done for the BRCA1 and BRCA2 gene, which are some of the genes that you've identified that can make you at risk for breast cancer development. Not necessarily that you'll get it, but you're maybe at a higher risk.
0: Yes, they're they're considered the more penetrant genes, meaning that the cancer risk associated with them is higher than
1: with some of the other genes that we look for. All right, so I had a question. We did the genetic testing for me, right, and I came back negative, so I was like, "Woohoo! I'm negative." <laughs> I'm not really sure what that means because he told me so I, I was still at a higher risk of familial cancer. Yeah, because my mom had, had breast cancer, but it was a different kind, and my grandmother had, had something, but it was a different kind a- a- than what I had. But and obviously, The other option would be positive, but you told me there's three different versions of, of results.
0: Yes, absolutely. So once we identify which genes we need to be looking at, um, we'll target those genes with genetic testing. And the possible test results, would one would be positive, where we have found a gene mutation that is associated with an increased cancer risk, and then my job is to help the families understand who should be tested next what the cancer risk is and what we can do to help prevent or detect in an early fashion those cancers that they are more prone to or more susceptible to. A negative result means we did not find a gene mutation that explains why that family has the cancers in it that it has. And so with a negative result, the family can still be at an elevated risk for breast cancer. It's just that we didn't find an inherited, broken, or mutated gene that explains why they have the cancer. So those families would still come to our high-risk clinic so that they could learn about enhanced surveillance and risk reduction strategies like surgery and medications. And the third result is... um, is the most difficult result, and it's very important that patients get counseling before they get tested because we are identifying variants of uncertain clinical significance. We call them VUSs, and essentially what that is is it's a big I don't know. You know, we're, we've expanded gene testing so much that. We, um, our technology for looking for mutations has exceeded our ability to understand exactly what some of those mutations mean. But ultimately, the goal is to take all of the genetic mutations that we find and all those variants of uncertain significance and reclassify them as to whether or not they increase cancer risk.
1: All right, so say I had tested positive for one of the BRCA1 or BRCA2 genes for breast cancer. I'm just using breast cancer because that's the one I had. Mm-hmm. But I know, like, on your list, there's Lynch, there's prostate. Uh, how many other ones you have listed on there?
0: Well, this um, this was an example of a 28-gene panel, and there's a lot of crossover in the genes. So with Lynch syndrome, we tend to see cancers of the ovary, the uterus, and the colon. They can occur young, um, so we tend to um, test children if a family is identified to have one of the genes, and it's mutated for Lynch syndrome.
1: So they would have more enhanced surveillance? Yes. Okay. So now for me, for example, say I had tested positive for BRCA1. Mm -hmm. That would have changed the diagnosis as far as what they want treatments they want to offer for me.
0: Yeah, so with BRCA1 mutations, we know that breast cancer is an elevated risk, about 87% lifetime. Um, Ovarian cancer can be about 27% lifetime, and that's significant for two reasons. Ovarian cancer is very difficult to detect early, um, and those cancers tend to occur young. Um, so we want to identify those families so that we can offer risk-reducing surgeries. Uh, we'd also do high-risk surveillance for melanoma, especially ocular melanoma. That's melanoma of the eye. Um, and prostate cancer in men and breast cancer in men. So where we typically don't, you know, aren't concerning ourselves with male breast cancer, if you have a BRCA1 mutation or especially a BRCA2 mutation, we're going to um, enhance surveillance for the
1: men for their breast as well. Yeah, and I think a lot of guys forget that they can get it as well. Yeah.
0: Not only can they have an associated risk for elevated risk for cancer, but they can pass the gene on to their children. Oh so good point. yeah, we don't just look at the females. The the males in the family count just as much, even though their risk for breast cancer is less than ours if they have the mutated
1: gene. But um everybody everybody counts. Cool. And so I guess how you like we talked before the show, my mom had breast cancer, so she had genetic testing done and she was negative as well. She wanted my sisters and myself to get tested. And at the time, I said, no, thank you, because uh, the whole sort of Damocles thing, I didn't want that hanging over my head that I was positive. or So I'd rather not know and just get tested more often with a, a mammogram, which is how they found mine was with a mammogram. And that system worked for me. So what would you say to folks who, who are like me? I say you have a right
0: to not know your genetic status. And having said that, I hope that you'll get really, really informed counseling before you make the decision not to know, especially when malignancies are prevalent. For you, by example, if you had identified a mutated gene in BRCA1 or 2, it's not just about your breast cancer risk. It's also about your ovaries. And with newer information, it's also about your uterus now. We are seeing an association between a serous adenocarcinoma of the uterus, which is a cancer of the uterus that behaves very much like ovarian cancer in our BRCA1 carriers. So where five years ago we might have just recommended that after childbearing they have their ovaries and fallopian tubes removed to reduce their risk for ovarian cancer, now we're considering hysterectomy as well to reduce their risk for those serous cancers. So it can go beyond just one cancer. And as you experienced, you had initial testing and then went back for expanded testing.
1: Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs>
0: We're strongly encouraging anybody who's had testing, who met criteria and had testing for BRCA1 and 2 gene mutations, that they come back into our high-risk clinic, we look at them again, and determine whether or not we should be looking for some of these other breast, uterine, ovarian, and colorectal cancer genes. So we've gone from testing sort of one gene at a time to
1: testing larger panels because there is so much crossover in the cancer risk. Well, yeah, and interestingly, I I said no the first time. Then once I developed breast cancer, the doctor's like, well, would you want genetic testing? like, well, I can get it now because I already got it. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) like once I had the breast cancer, I was like, oh, okay. Well, so that takes out that what-if factor. So then, like I said, I had the genetic testing because he told me it would help with my treatment, Mm -hmm. whether I need a hysterectomy or not and those different options. Absolutely. So I'm now of the opinion that get the testing, and that way you know one way or the other. You can be more informed about your health choices that you make. Uh, Make sure you're at that healthy weight, that you eat good food, that you're very physically active, because we talked about that. I had read somewhere that one of the ways you can reduce one of your cancer risks, I think it was breast cancer, recurrence by 30% was by walking every day for like an hour.
0: Yeah, our goal was set at about 180 minutes of moderate activity a week. Um, Now we're pushing that up a bit. We'd like to see people exercising most days of the week. Um, So we can add in a little strength training, too, because as we age, we lose some muscle mass. But that is very proactive. That's a lifestyle modification that all of us need to consider. You know, avoiding tobacco products, uh, limiting our alcohol intake is very important for breast cancer patients, Um, and exercising, and how we eat, and we know to eat Low-fat, high-fiber r- foods rich in antioxidants, fruits and vegetables, um, and then how we how we um, view our spiritual self. You know how we think about things. So tapping into your emotions around the cancer diagnosis or the the gene mutation diagnosis, and getting some support um, in that area because we are what we think. We become what we
1: think. Yeah, a more positive outcome is is a good thing. Yeah, uh, and like I say, having had the breast cancer. It definitely um, changes your perspective. So that's the name of the show, Palm Beach Perspective. Mm-hmm. Because it's like all about where you're sitting in your life at the time, how you view things. Mm-hmm. And every day is a gift. And like I celebrate every birthday. My friends are like, oh, you're getting older. You don't need to celebrate birthdays. I'm like, oh, no, every one I get, I win. The cancer loses, I win. <laughs> and they're like, that's okay, fantastic. you're weird, but we'll celebrate with you. <laughs> and they come and we have a great time. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, a, like an affirmation of life for everybody. So it's a really good thing. So and people are like, Oh, you're so tough. And I'm like, not really, I just choose to be happy today. And sometimes it really is a choice. Because you get faced with a lot of very challenging things, bad drivers on the way to work. <laughs> you know, challenging coworkers, or difficult jobs that you're assigned that you still have to do because you need to pay the rent, you, you know, all those kind of things and children not getting them to school on time, making sure they're not bullied, or how do they deal with that? And You know, and if your child is the bully, how do you deal with that? All those different pressures and stresses can really impact somebody's
0: health. Absolutely, Life is complex, and, you know, we are, we bathe ourselves in our environment, you know, so whether it's stress in our environment or toxins in our environment, that can all alter our genes. So even if we're born with healthy genes, cancer still can present because our genes break down. Um, based on aging and what the things we're exposed to in our lives.
1: I had heard a long time ago, I guess the medical technology is updating, I'll acknowledge as we go, that every seven years, all the cells in your body have re- replicated and re- reproduced themselves.
0: They're constantly, so the cells in our body are constantly dying off so that they can be replaced with healthy cells. And like with red blood cells, it's approximately six weeks for them to turn over for a cell to die and, and a, another healthy cell to be replaced. So we're in a constant state of rejuvenation. So, you're so it's not like every seven years I have a whole new body. No, it's, it's kind of a, every cell in your body is in a different process of, of replication. But that means we have the opportunity to make changes that can be very impactful toward our health. Just because we are born with mutated or broken genes for those who have them doesn't mean that they have to express a cancer.
1: Well, like you mentioned to me before the show, because I was asking about the 87% with people who are positive for BRCA 1 or 2, or even for some of the other genetic tests or genetic markers you're testing for, that doesn't mean they're going to get cancer. That's right. That's important to know. So that, that affects the sort of Damocles thing. does It doesn't mean you're going to get it. That's right. You just know you need to be more vigilant.
0: And you can be proactive. There are risk-reducing surgeries. Um, you and I were discussing risk-reducing bilateral mastectomies for people with a significantly elevated risk of breast cancer. And the reconstruction today is so different than how it was done before. We do skin and nipple sparing so that we can preserve the nipple areolar complex, which gives a very, very good cosmetic outcome. Um, There are risk-reducing surgeries for removing the fallopian tubes and the ovaries to help reduce the risk for ovarian cancer. Um, And at Good Sam, we are connected with clinical research trials, so we're, we're trying very hard to get these people who have Um, genetic mutations in their families or these variants that are uncertain to the proper pew so they're being followed appropriately. Um, Our goal is to help their clinicians that are caring for them understand what the guidelines are now for a person who is gene normal but elevated risk or a person who has a broken or altered gene. That increases their risk. And that's been very helpful to the clinicians in the community.
1: Oh, absolutely. And like before you came, I was doing some research, like in the most recent genetic changes online. And we were talking about some of the studies that I was reading when you got here. It's very fascinating. This research is very cutting edge and it's constantly ongoing. So I know they've identified it's the RANKL part of a gene. And then there's an OPC, all capital letters, that blocks that because uh, the RANKL the rankle as i call it <laughs> can help promote the growth of breast cancer and then the OPC that they identified in the blood work of folks that have the gene for the BRCA1 or 2 it's lower in their blood system and they find that that blocks so they can find a drug that mimics that you say that it can be a targeted therapy
0: right so you try to you try to minimize the rankle RANK system and increase the OPC molecules um, and this is all in, in research. Um, there, y- We have t- other targeted therapies. There are PARP inhibitors that have been specifically identified to be very successful in treating ovarian cancer in persons who have BRCA1 and 2 gene mutations. And I anticipate that way this science is growing, it's just exponential, the growth, that we're going to have other targeted therapies, medications, um, antibodies, getting our immune system to respond differently to cancer cells. Um, all those things are, are in, the, in the very near future. So we can really target that cancer therapy to that individual patient and the individual biology of their tumor. You know, general population testing, just look at the, in the last 20 years where BRCA1 and 2 gene testing would cost the person, you know, $5,000 and then $2,800, the price came down, that was two genes, and, and now we can look at 32 genes for the same cost. It's just amazing the way we're growing.
1: Oh, it's fascinating. And I know some of the research I was doing, there's a drug that treats something with the bone called Demusob or something like that, but also impacts that RANKL rankle gene. Or So they already have something. It's not for that. So it would be like an off-use kind of thing. So it has to go through all the FDA approvals and everything. but. There's something already out there looking at it that they might be able to maybe do spare some of the surgeries and do with a a targeted medication like you're saying.
0: Well, and and we we do actually have, for people who are at elevated risk for breast cancer, um, there are three different medications that can be offered to them that help lower their risk um, for development of breast cancer by about 50%. And the drug we choose depends on the individual. Um, The only one that can be used premenopausally is tamoxifen. And some people are familiar with that medication because it is a medication we use for treatment of breast cancer. um, But it can also be used in persons who didn't have breast cancer who are at elevated risk. So these are prophylactically. Yes, prophylactic. You know, um, we want to avoid the cancer. So we have these agents. And so there's raloxifene and aromatase inhibitors that can be used postmenopausally that have been shown to be very effective
1: as well in reducing the risk. So now when the folks use the tamoxifen uh, prevent- as a preventative measure before they've had the cancer, how long do they have to take it for? That's a
0: good question. So, th- so we were using it for five years, and now there are studies going on to 10 years of length of use. Uh, so for today, I'd say certainly we'd offer it for five years, and we'd consider moving into the 10-year realm. And who knows once w- you know, we get another five years out if we'll think it's something that can be used lifelong or if there's benefit or if the risks outweigh the benefit at some point.
1: Well, yeah, I interviewed one of the doctors, one of the researchers at Scripps, and he's doing a, like a big study, of course, for cancer um, to make tamoxifen... Uh, work better for all different kinds of breast cancers to make it more because like it's good for 50% of them I guess on average and he wants to increase that number to like as close to 100% as he can so they can use it as a preventative tool. Mm
0: -hmm. And and one of the Um, problems with um, tamoxifen therapy there are some side effects and you know it really depends on the patient's motivation as to how well they're going to tolerate those side effects. There can be hot flashes, some insomnia, some fatigue, some aching and paining. Um, you know, so we we try to help patients through um, managing those side effects, um, but our community of practice feels that we've really fallen short in letting people know that there are medications available that can reduce their cancer risk, a- a- aside from the risk reducing surgeries. Oh, of course, yeah. And so the high have, risk surveillance, so and,
1: and yeah, depending on where what you feel most comfortable with. Exactly. And this is where you're talking about the customizing it to the individual patient, because mm-hmm. like I know when I had the radiation. Uh, My oncologist, Dr. Spitz, was like, I recommended that for you because the lumpectomy, the radiation, was equivalent to a mastectomy. You're younger, breast saving, conservation surgery. He said, but I knew you would follow the directions and go every day. But if it was another patient who may not go every day, not as effective. Right. So they really are – targeting things for people, which I think is a really great idea.
0: Absolutely. And looking at the patient's comorbidities, um, you know, and psychosocial support, you know, can they get to radiation? Can they afford radiation treatment? You know, all of those things weigh in. We have a multidisciplinary breast cancer clinic at Good Sam, and, and what that means is that all of the specialists in our community get together, from our nurse navigator to our radiation oncologist to our medical oncologist to our surgeons and our plastic surgeons. We meet once a week, and we anonymize patients, and we review cases to try to give the best care to each individual patient. And, you know, our community doesn't even know that's going on. You know, patients don't even know that's happening. Um, But it's very cutting edge, and we can help each other take better care of these patients and um, make known the best course of
1: action for patients. Well, and as a patient, that kind of thing is very beneficial because you're looking out for us and say, I might uh, benefit from increased medication. I can go with the, the medical oncologist and talk with him about that. And if I need a second round of genetic testing, he can send me back to you. Right. But kind of like the one-stop shop kind of thing, because mm-hmm. when I went through treatment, the centers like what you have now really weren't there yet. It's pretty fragmented. It's very fragmented, so I had to go one place for one thing, one place for another thing, one place for another thing, and a few things got missed in the in the way, because I didn't know to ask, and that somebody else thought someone else was covering it. But when you do it all in one-stop place you get it all covered. So I think that's a great thing. So for the listeners who want to find out more about genetic testing or just information in general, how do they reach out to you guys at Good Sam?
0: So anyone can be seen um, through our program. Um, You can call our Cancer Genetics High-Risk Program. Our coordinator is Angel Bosch and she's at 561-650-6084, and she can explain the process. We do require, at this time, a prescription from a healthcare provider on your team um, for us to be able to see you. We will send you out a packet. Once we've identified you might be a candidate for genetic screening, um, whether it's counseling and testing or counseling alone, Um, and then you come in and meet with me and we talk about genes and genetic testing. And it's, you know, as the oncologists in the area are saying, it's as easy as a blood test. But I will tell you that it's not just a blood test. Um, I spend... um, a lot of time evaluating your pedigree and the information that you send in with me prior to your visit. And then we spend about an hour to an hour and a half together at the first visit to discuss the testing options, the potential impact, the financial um, issues, you know, whether or not your insurance will cover it. And I will say that largely insurance companies cover the testing if you meet the criteria, the national criteria, which is why I take so much information from you in the beginning so I can help you understand that when you come in through the doors. And then we do a results disclosure. Um, I see you about four weeks after a panel is drawn, and we talk about the test and the impact, and then we get your family tucked in, talk about what to do for the kids and the brothers and the sisters and the moms and the dads and anyone who is potentially at risk.
1: And then you could discuss what treatment options they should go through.
0: Absolutely. So the risk-reducing agents, surgical risk reduction, or high-risk surveillance with breasts. An example would be 3D mammogram with ultrasound once a year after the age of 30, And then six months after that, a breast MRI. We are not exposing you to any more ionizing radiation with the MRI, but it's a good way to screen the breast. So every six months, we can do a screening. What's the phone number for people to get more information again? It's Good Samaritan Medical Center, 561-650-6084.
1: All right, Connie, well, thank you so much for coming in and talking with us. I wish we had more time to discuss even more in depth all the fascinating part of the genetics world and all the breakthroughs you're making in our healthcare.
0: Well, I appreciate the opportunity to get the word out to the community.
1: Thank you. Have a wonderful weekend. Thank you. I'm Deb Nepp, and this has been My Perspective. Remember, life is good, so be your healthiest you, and let's get out there and live it. Till next week, enjoy.
0: Clear Communities, the community engagement arm of this station, champions critical issues and causes in the areas of health and wellness, social impact, education, literacy, and music and art. Join us next week for Palm Beach and Treasure Coast Perspective. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
1: A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh?
0: <sighs> ah,